Welcome to the Canine Cooperative Podcast. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Sabrina. How are you? I am just ducky. How are you? Good. So this is our first podcast. I know. So exciting. I feel like there should be a woman in the corner with one of those xylophones going bing, 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 <laughs> like on the old radio shows. That might be our new intro. I know. Could be. And I feel like most of the people listening to this wouldn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you just aged yourself. I did. Very much so. So we are going to be talking tonight about our first podcast ever, which is this one. Yes. Woohoo. So let's introduce ourselves. You, beauty, first. <laughs> and age. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am Sabrina. Nice to meet you guys. I am a dog trainer. Jamie and I are actually dog trainers in the same area. And um, I've been at it for quite some time. been working with dogs pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. And yada, yada. We can talk about all those things. But yeah, we have. I have uh, a business called Good Dogma. And... Um, that's it without getting into too many details. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave you guys in suspense since, like, our stories and Yes, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time for that. If we go on this trek, we're never going to get to the I actual know. meat and potatoes of the conversation. I know. We'll just talk, 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 talk. And I am Jamie Wenzel. I am uh, a dog trainer as well. Like Sabrina said, we're in the same area. We uh, I've been dog training for a long time now. I didn't start out in dogs. I started out in horses. I'm still involved with horses, but I just really big dogs, just really big dogs. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, yeah, I love it. We met, uh, my business is applause dog training and we met through a mutual client. Oh, about almost four years ago now. Has it been that long? Yeah. It's been a while. And, uh, we had a first, uh, dog trainer date. Over lunch, and yeah. we are besties now, which yeah. is great. And we're doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. So our plan is to, you know, bring you guys super useful information about all things dogs, not just training. Yep. But we thought for our first podcast, talking about how to choose an appropriate dog trainer, and maybe the difference between like a behaviorist, mm, yes, and a and a dog trainer, and um, kind of help you guys navigate. That very, very confusing sea of modalities and ideologies and always and never and yes. all those fun things. Well, I whenever somebody's like looking for a dog trainer, I tell people that um, dog trainers are kind of like doctors. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, in the sense that, yeah, they're all doctor in front of their first name, but each doctor has a different specialty. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't go to a foot doctor if you're having heart problems and I wouldn't go to my general practitioner if I thought I had schizophrenia. Yeah. So like yeah. you dog trainers uh, in this industry, a lot of times we kind of get uh, put under this huge umbrella of like, oh, you train dogs. That means you can make my dog a service dog mm-hmm. and you can also train my dog to stop eating my neighbor's toddler. And you can also teach my puppy basic obedience. Right. When, yes, we kind of know how to do all of those things, just like a doctor has a hopefully a working knowledge of how the entire body works. But each... Ideally. Right, I would hope. <laughs> but each dog trainer has kind of their own niche or specialty, kind of like a doctor would. So when we talk about finding the right dog trainer, a really big question that you need to kind of come up with first is what's your goal with your dog right so I think some of the categories we can start discussing is just within 
dog training itself, I mean, you have obedience training, right? That's your basic, you know, commands, things like that. It happens a lot of group classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you have dog trainers that do board and trains. <clears throat> That's what I specifically do, and Jamie does as well, mm-hmm. where they take the dog into your house and or into their house and, and work with them for X amount of time. You have um, sport dog training. Yep. You have protection dog training. Mm-hmm. Service dog training? Yep. Am I forgetting anything? Um, I guess then we can start talking about behavior modification. Yeah, yes. Um, but you get the idea. I'm sure I'm leaving something out. But there's a lot of different... There's a lot of different things that people can specialize in. And obviously you don't want to... You know, if you're having behavior issues, you don't want to go to the person that's a service dog trainer, let's right. say. Mm-hmm. or going to an obedience training class. Right. So those are important things to note um, when you're actually looking for someone. And when we talk about vet behaviorists, because I know a lot of people get yes. sent in that direction, and also what is a behaviorist, you know? Right. The di- what's the difference between uh, a dog trainer and a, be- and a veterinary behaviorist? Because you'll see this a lot on... Um, like uh, Facebook groups and forums mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm looking for a dog trainer. I'm having this problem with my dog. What do I do? And a lot of people will pop up and be like, you need a behaviorist. Yeah. Well, there's kind of... Um, it's kind of a hijacked term. I yes. Think. I was, it's like muddied waters, yeah. right? There, there's a big difference like with dog trainers who deal with behavior, which is Sabrina and I. And then there's, dog tra- there's a veterinary behaviorist. Those are two totally different uh, approaches and yes. techniques. So you have to be careful when you throw around a, a, a buzzword almost like behaviorist about what's the difference. So I know you've worked with both. So what, um, Sabrina, you can speak more to what the difference, what is. The difference is. So I... While we both deal with behavior, I would say we're more behavior specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, and a vet behaviorist is is someone that deals with like kind of the 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 book end. I don't really know how to phrase this. Like like they don't do things in practice. Mm. They do the medication side, right? right? So you go there and you're like, my dog has anxiety. They can medicate your dog for anxiety, but on the training end of things, they don't have that application. Yeah. Right? So you'll see a lot of vet behaviors work alongside trainers and, um, and that kind of thing. But that's, that's the difference. So basically, vet behaviorists are the medicators. Yep. So maybe like a <clears throat> psychologist versus a psychiatrist. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then um, dog trainers are the ones that are actually doing the behavior modification of your dog. Yeah. So when you say behavior modification, let's just clarify for people what, because there's difference between training, at least in my view. I agree. There's a difference between training behaviors and doing behavior modification. Correct. So what would, how would you define that difference? So... I think training behaviors, I mean, obviously we're training behaviors and behavior mod, but when someone talks about training behaviors, I think of the classic 
obedience commands, mm-hmm. right? You go to a class or maybe private sessions, sit down. Yeah, learn how to teach the dog sit exactly. down and calm. And right. You might even get some, like, paw and yep. roll over in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little high five action. Um, and then when we deal with behavior mod, I think that's more of a, it's more of a, a troubleshooting puzzle thing that you're trying to figure out you know because we have to go in deep of you know what what is the root cause of of the dog's behavior and address that and it's not that we don't utilize obedience but Mm -hmm. i think behavior modification also has to do way more with state of mind yeah than it does with what the dog is physically doing at the end of the day right so I think that is kind of yeah, what the difference is to Yeah, that's very clear. Like, so like training is more of creating a new behavior and behavior modification is taking a behavior that's already kind of developed or come out of the dog or the dog is showing and, and shaping that or guiding that into an, a different behavior or kind of an undoing almost, mm-hmm. yes. if you will. So like <clears throat> whenever you do any kind of... In, that's why Sabrina had said when you do behavior modification there's definitely training in there because we need to teach an alternate behavior but for things like if you bring home a new puppy and you're looking to teach your new puppy how to sit or lay down Mm -hmm. or to stay or any of those things that would be more of the sense of dog training where you would go to classes or you would hire a trainer to come and teach you how to teach your dog Mm -hmm. while behavior modification is more for the people who are struggling with um, things they don't want the dog to do. And that doesn't have to be, um, like I deal more with aggressive dogs, dogs that have a bite history with people and other dogs. Sabrina deals a lot with leash reactivity where the dog's pulling on leash and sees another dog and barks and lunges and freaks out and makes a lot of noise. And, um, yeah, resource guarding, resource guarding, uh, dog aggression, human aggression, yeah. uh, separation anxiety, fear aggression all of those types of things where the dog is telling you they're having some sort of problem and in they're expressing it in a very canine way that's not socially appropriate in the human world right so when you're looking for a dog trainer you have to like again go back to what are my goals what do i want to learn and what do i want to achieve yep and the important thing is too is let's say you do have a dog that is let's say you have the rottweiler (laughs) that's human aggressive you want to make sure that your trainer can handle that you go to jamie for those things (laughs) um you want to make sure that you have somebody that has experience with that and knows how to handle that yeah when you have your chihuahua that's like that you can bring it to me yeah so i don't like the little ones but that's that's the thing you you don't want to go to like an obedience trainer yeah that like it like it's not in their wheelhouse and and you should interview whoever it is that you're speaking to to make sure that they have a understanding of yeah what's going on and how they're going to help you yeah so that that's a big part of finding the right dog trainer is yes first you want to know what your goals are for your dog what you're struggling with or what you want to accomplish once you know that, that can kind of give you a better idea of who, what kind of trainer do I need for that? Do I need someone who does behavior mod? Do I need someone who does basic obedience training? Do I need somebody who specializes in puppies or anything like that? That will kind of point you in the direction. Now, once you know what direction of what kind of training you need to focus on, 
that's when you can go in and start to interview people in that field. Um, what would you say in your experience is the best way to go about finding somebody? Once you know what you're looking for and what you want to accomplish, like, do you Google it? Do you ask a friend? Do you go to a vet? Like, what do you think the best way is to start reaching out and, and getting contacts and interviewing people? Interesting question. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Um, a lot of people go through referrals, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a, at least I know that's how a lot of people find me is, yeah, is someone knows well. someone or things like that. Um, honestly, I mean, I know social media can be whatever people make of it, but I think that that's a good place to start too when you're looking yeah. at people to kind of see what they're advertising themselves as and also see if they do put out before and afters of dogs mm. or or help kind of show the process of what's going on and kind of can show you that they know yeah what to do um I hope veterinarians have a good handle I know some do like of of good people that they refer to and things like that yeah um the last thing I would do is go to Facebook and ask for advice yeah oh my gosh <laughs> well and that, not because that's bad but because people generally, people on Facebook are like cheerleaders, right? So if you go onto a Facebook group or a mom's group or anything like that, and you're like, hey, I'm looking for a dog trainer for my dog. Right. People will share with you the person that they had experience with, which is fine. But then it's your responsibility as like a pet parent to kind of almost Dock that trainer. Absolutely. Like if they have uh, social media pages on Instagram or Facebook or if they're putting up YouTube videos or if they have content of them with dogs on their website that shares their story or anything like that, you want to make sure that that you like the person that you're, you're going to be trusting their advice with. Whether mm -hmm. you send your dog to a board and train or do individual sessions or jump in one of their classes, you want to be able to have a feel for who they are how they train, what tools they use, what techniques they use, and most importantly, if they can actually help you. So if you go to somebody's Facebook page because your neighbor recommended them to you, and you see pictures and videos of them only training dogs between the ages of four months and six right. months, but you have a three-year-old rescue dog that's resource guarding, that might not be the trainer for you because their specialty is puppies. Right. Or if you have... Isn't that a nice specialty? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, or on the flip side, if you have somebody who's like, I love this trainer, they do such great work, follow their stuff, they might be a fabulous trainer and they're working with... Uh, working line German Shepherds and yes. they do a lot of bite work where they're training the dog to run at somebody and bite them on command and all of that kind of stuff. That's great, but they might not be able to be the best fit to teach you how to um, get your five-month-old Labradoodle to stop jumping on your kids as they run down the hallway. Mm -hmm. Like that, there's that's where watching their content and the information they put out will give you a better idea of where their focus is. Yeah. Well, and that brings us to the next part of this conversation, which is modalities. Yes. And methodologies. Mm -hmm. And that whole sea of... Oh, boy. Muddiness. Yeah. So, what, what 
Go ahead. What? <laughs> what? So we're both like taking a deep breath before we dive into <laughs> the deep pool. Scene. Yeah. So what are some of the different kinds of methodologies that are out there? And I know new ones are being coined constantly. Oh, yes. But basically, I mean, I I see three different, in my opinion, I see three different methods. Hit it up. One's positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. One is strictly compulsion. Yep. And then you have quote unquote balanced in the middle. Yeah. However, that pendulum can swing mm-hmm. to either end. Yes. So like in the in the dog training world, like a brief history of dog training, right, is that way back in the day, compulsion training was where it's at. Mm-hmm. Compulsion training is basically you use a leash and you make the dog. Yep. It's a lot of pushing, it's a lot of pulling, it's a lot of yanking, it's a lot of cranking. Like the the dog has no other choice but to do what you say. And end. it's not a it's not a pretty picture. No. At all. I'll, I'll definitely say that it is not a pretty picture and I think it actually gave way yes. to the entire antithesis of that, yes. which is so, the positive reinforcement yep. and crowd. That, and that movement came out of that yep. because people started to go, I don't feel good about how I'm handling with my dog and new research and new studies came out about positive reinforcement, meaning find something the dog likes and motivate the dog to do the behaviors you're asking by working for a reward. Correct. Um, Most of the time that's using food. That's the most common version. Mm But as anything that swings, just like with fashion, where, you know, bell bottoms were out, but apparently they're back in. I don't even know. So just like anything with Blue fashion. Blue eyeshadow as well. I know, right? What happened? Like, I remember making fun of my mom when her pants were up to her like, <laughs> mom jeans. I was like, I can't believe you're going we're out in the age mom of mom jeans. jeans. Meanwhile, I'm wearing pants that go up to my armpit. I'm like, these are so cute. Um, just like that. Just like the mom jeans. Just like the mom jeans, the training world like swung completely in the opposite direction where they're like compulsion is bad. You cannot put hands on the dog. You cannot put any kind of pressure on the dog whatsoever. It's all food work. And it kind of branched off and that's still very popular. So it's called positive reinforcement, purely positive. Purely positive, force-free. Like R plus they call it sometimes. Like... So you'll see that. So when you see that, what that basically means is that trainer specializes in using food and shaping to train the dog into new behaviors. Correct. So if you read a website or read a review and it says force-free positive reinforcement, that's that camp. That's an excellent way to teach behaviors. Absolutely. It's an excellent way to teach behaviors. Um. And then in the middle of that, the, the problem there is that when the pendulum swung from compulsion over to positive reinforcement only or force-free, what ended up happening was there were limits to each of the extremes. They're so, both limited-based training. Right. You were limited in what you can use. And the reliability that you got. Yeah. So like... All force, no food, or no positive motivation. You got crackpots like of dogs. Right. You got a very fearful group of dog. You got um, 
dogs that would that would redirect onto owners like it wasn't it wasn't great but that was the extreme of that and then you have dogs on the other side who aren't food motivated or found something that motivated them more than what their trainer was being asked of them in that moment and you have holes in your reliability because right. well you're limited again you're limited. you have you have one you're only allowed to reinforce behaviors right so when we talk about just reinforcement and punishment taking the emotions out of it and looking at it science-based rewarding or reinforcing we should say reinforcing something is i want it to keep happening it will keep happening punishing something is it should stop yeah so when you're dealing with punishment style training you're really like just kind of squashing the dog yeah and if you i mean you hear about studies all the time. I get studies put in front of me all the time. And they're like from the, I mean, the 80s, the 90s. I mean, yeah. literally, we're going back like 40 years at this point. And yeah. it was an ugly scene. Like, it was. They use high level of e-collar. Yeah. They, back when e-collars were like literally yes. hook it up to your car yes. train. set to like incinerate. Car, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One button. Yeah. Set to vaporize. Um, of, I mean, and you read these studies and, and that's the fodder for the other yes. camp, right? Like, mm-hmm. look at the fallout, look at the fallout of co- coercion and compulsion. Yeah. And of course. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Nobody should be doing that. Nobody should be doing that. It's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely archaic and awful. Um, and then when, but then you're not, when you're doing work like that, you're not really reinforcing behaviors. You're right. squashing stuff. You're not teaching anything. You're just no, 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 right. no, 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 no. And then the positive reinforcement side of things, yes, it's great to, mo- like, and we all, any good dog trainer uses positive oh, yeah. reinforcement because that's how long. you get things to keep going, right? Yes. So your obedience, mm-hmm. basically, or um, shaping behaviors, mm-hmm. shaping just interactions that you have with your dogs and rewarding them. Yeah. So, like, those are the two major camps and how they came about. Now, now positive reinforcement kind of hit its limit after a while. And now you have a, a camp that's kind of arisen, I guess, what, in the last 15 years? It, balanced yeah, training? Yeah, I'd probably say so. Yeah, so balanced training kind of came on the scene where they're like, wait a second. There are some aspects of this compulsion training, and there are some aspects of positive reinforcement that make a very nice marriage. Yeah. So they work very well together. Not the extremes of either one. It's taking bits and pieces from each camp and putting them together very nicely. So what what you're actually doing is, is having a conversation with the dog where you're teaching behaviors you want through positive reinforcement. And then the behaviors you don't want or you don't like, then you're adding a, uh, a taught correction, which could be anything from the removal of a treat to a leash correction or anything like that. So you have that kind of, of settling in the middle, if you think of it like the pendulum way on the left for compulsion, mm-hmm. the pendulum swung way to the right for positive reinforcement, and then somewhere in the middle it kind of settled on balance training. Um, I, ironically, I feel like it's kind of the same shift with children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of what you see with that too. Yeah. So like that type of... so. so I categorize myself as a balanced trainer. Sabrina categorizes herself as a balanced trainer. I think I, you know what I, I like lately. <laughs> I, I want to know is unlimited trainer. Yes, like, we are unlimited. Oh, I like that. Right, we're unlimited in I what like we can that. offer. Yeah, to clients versus 
the other ends of the spectrum. Right. So, like, that's one of those things, that's a great way to put that unlimited in the sense where you're looking, you're basing what method or modality that you use off of the dog that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. Because the dog that you work with in front of you will tell you what it needs. Yes. So, there are some dogs that I work with that are not food motivated whatsoever. They will not take food under any, any circumstance. Any circumstance. And those are the types of dogs that I get a lot of. So we'd use more like pressure and release, which people would push into the compulsion training. But that's not, we're just using a different form of motivation. You're using a different form of reinforcement. Right, which yeah. is the release of pressure. So like those types of things. But at the flip side, I've had dogs that are super sensitive to any kind of touch, but they'd eat all day mm -hmm. long. So let's use that food. Or positive reinforcement could be something like if you have a really drivey dog. Yeah. Using a flirt pole or a game yes, of well they, they're like, notorious for not doing well under compulsion. Like, yes, those they work will fight dogs. You. Yeah, yeah, they will totally. fight back, and um, so like getting them motivated to work for something. So in the balanced training camp, it's kind of that's why I say we take a little bit from here, we take a little bit from there, we take a little bit from there, and we kind of put it together in a a, a package that works for the dog that's in front of you. Now, not every again, so. Those are the three main modes. It's compulsion and positive reinforcement and balanced. Um, compulsion has kind of faded out over the years. Yes, I don't know too many people that just do that. I don't know too many people are yeah. yanking and cranking dogs, right? So that it, really the main focus in this day and age is balanced and yep. purely positive. Yep. Um, within those, you'll get many variations of trainers. Mm-hmm. Many. So, um, again, doing your research on who you like, what flavor of human being. So, Sabrina and I, really, we, we live 15 minutes down the road yeah. from each other. Same town, yep. 15 minutes away. It's great when we want to get together. It is. Um, <laughs> Roll down the hill. Yeah, it's wonderful. But the flavor of, like, her flavor and my flavor is how I describe it. Yeah, it's, it's kind it's of different. like... We're both ice cream, but one might be like mint chocolate chip. That's somebody me. Else is, you know, <laughs> peanut butter ripple. <laughs> so mint like, chocolate chip all the way. It's you can love ice cream. We're both in the same family, but right. the flavor that you gravitate towards, and really the only difference is people listening to us talk on our our social media platforms. Yeah. And that's important that you got to be. You don't want to have to hang out with this person. Yeah. Like, you want to hire someone that you actually want to go have drinks with. Yeah, you want you to know? hire somebody that, like, gets you. Yeah. Like, gets you. And understands you. your dog and understands your needs because it really is a marriage of of you, the trainer, and the dog. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. There's so many people out there that get involved in this field because they love dogs and they forget about the human element mm -hmm. so that's also important too but these if you start following people on social media i think you kind of get that feel yeah of of who of they, are, they, and, who yeah, they are yeah exactly um one other thing i want to touch on while you're looking for a dog trainer is let's talk certifications because this can kind of muddy the water I oh guess it can this kind of mm -hmm. goes goes back to veterinary <clears throat> behavior as versus like dog trainer so um I think this is, I don't, I know this is for New Jersey where we live, but, um, there I'm pretty is sure it's no, everywhere. it's everywhere, yeah. right? There is no governing board that you don't have to pass any kind of test. Nope. It's not like the bar or you like don't a technically medical. need to know what a dog is. You don't need to know what a dog is to call yourself a dog trainer. You just have to say, 
I train dogs. Yep. So you could literally have owned one dog one time and trade it when you were five years old and say that you're a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. So asking the question of how people became a dog trainer and what their experience what their experiences is a huge piece of that because um you'll see a lot of people say I'm involved with IACP or IDTA or like they'll have all these letters after their name those aren't actually certifications those are memberships that you apply for and you can say that you're certified with them yeah they do some of those groups actually do have have like like, yeah and the IACP actually have a has a very interesting one um that you have to do case studies for it's the only group I know that does that but regardless um I don't think it, it is a good, I don't think it's a good um, telling or showing of yeah. what somebody's capable of. Right. Because I think it goes back to the whole vet behaviorist thing where this person has a ton of education mm-hmm. and can pass tests and understands theory and all that kind of stuff, but they don't put it into practice. Right. So regardless of what kind of credentials you have, that does not make you a good dog trainer or not. What makes you a good dog trainer is your experience. And I mean, I personally would like that they, you know, that they understand learning theory. I I hope that most people in our position has a good understanding of learning theory and how to apply that, but you certainly don't need to go to school for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So like those are the types of things that you kind of have to uh, put into perspective is, if someone can say they're certified, you can, like, Petco, the pet store, has their own certification program. Yes. Which is basically, you just need to be an employee of theirs for six months and then take, like, four hours of an online course and you can be a certified dog trainer for Petco. That does not mean that individual... I've met trainers who train with Petco who have 15, 20 years of experience Correct. and they're phenomenal yeah. and they just use Petco as their venue for their clients. And then I've seen Petco trainers who shouldn't even hold a leash. Yeah. Like it's just... Ter- <laughs> like, not even with a dog on it. Not even with a dog on it. Just, you're going to trip somebody with it. Just hand it over. Like, so those are the types of things. And like... Speaking from somebody, I, I I am certified through the Animal Behavioral College. So are you, right? No, I did not do Animal Behavioral oh, College. Oh, you did not? I'm a Karen Pryor graduate. Oh, you're a Karen Pryor graduate. Yeah. So, like, we did two different courses, basically, college courses or whatever, where we got certifications from. I'm a mentor for that college. So I teach students that come through the program. I've had students come through the program that did everything right, Dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's. Could pass anything on paper. Could pass anything on paper. That when you put a dog in front of them, they don't know what to do. They can't take it out of the book and put it in real life. And And vice versa, too. People that can't pass the test but are amazing with dogs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like, and that's one of those things that I don't, this confession time, I got a horrible grade on my final exam. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm a pretty knowledgeable dog trainer absolutely i mean there's always not i would not argue about that yeah so like that's one of those things where like those certifications are great to have they had to go through something and have some sort of education but going back to making sure they have some sort of video content or ways that you can see them work with dogs or hear their voice or hear them talk is is huge yeah absolutely yeah agreed All right. Well, it sounds like we covered a lot. Yeah, we did cover a lot. 
And I hope that helps people that are, are looking for a dog trainer and maybe clarifies some things. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We're going to wrap it up. We want to try to keep these conversations regular and kind of short and sweet. Yep, and to the point, because we can babble forever. Oh, my <laughs> We'll probably hit end on the reco- recording stuff and then just keep talking for the rest of the evening. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the way it goes. Sounds about right. So we'll put, um, when we post this, we'll put some links to where you can find us mm-hmm. in the details. And I hope you guys come back for more next time. All right. All right. Have a good night. Bye.